0: Into
1: to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get it.
0: What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 338 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith,
1: and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? The uh, boxing rant makes another successful jaunt to the desert and witnesses another really good fight. I got to say, we've been picking some hella fights to go to here
0: lately. The way that thing ended in spectacular fashion, I mean, dude, you can hear it in my fucking voice. (laughs) You you didn't get up and scream fucking loud. I was like, Jesus
1: Christ, man.
0: (laughs) Dude, my ears were ringing from me screaming. Like, it was fucking awesome, man. You know, it's like winning the lottery and watching your favorite fighter knock somebody the fuck out simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you
1: can't help what comes out after that, can you? No, no, you cannot. When you had when you had a hundred on the uh, plus five fifty nine through twelve KO, and it comes through, boy, that's a good feeling. I just wish I could have got that fucking plus fourteen hundred
0: on the round ten. You, you know should've. what I'm saying? You should have. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's all right. It was a successful trip. Um, nobody got injured. If the, if the only casualty was my voice, um, you guys should be able to deal with it for one episode. Uh, you know. And we'll get to all of uh, the adventure in Vegas, the post-fight from Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter. We got two fights in the fight preview, uh, Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosis as Teofimo defends his undisputed lightweight championship. Ah, nah. Sorry, Devin. Uh, Brandon <laughs> Figueroa versus Stephen Fulton um, will look to unify the 122-pound weight class as they put their WBC and WBO straps on the line. And then we got a little special. At the end of episode 338, Vin and Ken are going to give you a movie review um, on the brand-new Rocky Four Rocky versus Drago director's cut. Because I know all of you out there have seen it, and if you haven't, I mean, I, I don't even know what to
1: say. Why, if, why? You li- if you're listening to a boxing podcast and you haven't seen that, uh, come on. Go all the way. Let's go all in here. If you're a dork, be a full fucking dork here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, hey, we're just going to say spoiler alert.
0: Ah, gotcha. It's pretty much the same movie. <laughs> no, but we'll give you our full review um, because we have a lot to say about it. It's, uh, you know, one of the most influential movies on Mine and Vince generation, uh, there's no doubt about that. So uh, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 338 of the Boxing Rant podcast. Please subscribe anywhere audio podcasts are available. The video version is available on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Um, and follow us on Twitter, at Vince Cummings 81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. We get to the rest of the pleasantries during the exit portion of the show. Um, episode three thirty eight, then here we go. Uh back from Vegas, Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter, as Terrence Crawford looked to make a statement at 147 pounds, and once and for all, give final notice to Errol Spence. And, you know, we predicted the fight would go very much like it did. Um, actually, we predicted it dead nuts. So instead of going through all of that again. Let's talk about actually what happened in the fight. I mean, Sean Porter was game at the beginning of this thing then. And, you know, Terrence Crawford, as he always does, he's calculating, he's assessing the situation, he gets hit. You know, we've watched Sean Porter's entire career, and as good as he is, as great of a career as he has had, he's never been a power puncher. He can just physically abuse you. It's a combination of, you know, sheer brutality with the body, right? Uh, sometimes the head (laughs) and punches and you know what not not much changed. he came at terrence crawford and it was just a matter of time dude we were sitting what 16 rows up off the floor and you could see terrence crawford literally smiling at everything i mean i know you all saw it on tv i don't Mm -hmm. know what you thought that was apparently some people must have thought that crawford was gassed because they said that porter he was it you know he was in it till the end um what I saw was a uh, uh, just a slow, slow and precise diagnosis. Um, and then the surgeon struck. You know what I'm saying? And he was pinpoint. It was a beautiful display. Uh, starts off in the right-handed stance, switches southpaw in the second round, and never looked back. And boy, did I not look at you as soon as he turned southpaw. And I was like, watch this fucking left looping three-quarter uppercut hook thing that he's throwing sometimes mm-hmm. it's an uppercut sometimes it was like a three-quarter left hook all fucking day and the first one that terrence crawford lands on sean porter literally was one of the loudest punches of the fight hit him right in a fucking solar plexus right here dude and it was a pop just reverberated through the fucking arena and he never let up from
1: there did he ben? no he did not uh, it, you know it was the way it started, the you know, first three rounds, Porter kind of, he he did some nice work in the first three rounds, but it wasn't real clean. Like you said, he landed a few shots, but any time he landed something, Crawford was laughing it off. Um, and, and you know, that's a tactic fighters do sometimes or whatever to play to the judges. But I really think Crawford was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, there's, there's nothing to worry about here. And I'll tell you what, man, what Crawford does better than any fighter that I see in boxing right now is his ability to step back uh, uh, and fight on the back foot, but really step back counter and not even sometimes one step back. He likes stutter steps to time. And he, you know, Porter's coming in with his head down and he's winging hooks and you're right. That left shovel cut or whatever you want to call it, it was to the body. It was to the head. It was there all night. He, 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 you know, he started to pick him apart at times. Porter was elusive enough that he he was surviving the middle rounds, and it still looked like it was going to be a decent fight. But I'll tell you what, man, once Terrence Crawford hurts you and has you hurt, there's no playing around. It doesn't take him much time to finish the deal. He knocked him down once. He didn't finish him that time. He, he does it again in the tenth round and finishes him. It, it's just something special to watch when you see a fighter turn up the aggression. But it's not a, a lot of fighters get that knockdown and they go in for the kill. And it's just like they're possessed and they just fucking winging wild shots and and kind of smothering their own work and 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 killing themselves at time. You got a you got a hurt fighter, land something quick, short, set them up for a big shot. That's what Terrence Crawford does really fucking good, man. And, you know, did he make his announcement at welterweight? Sure, to idiots, to people who really were like, did you not believe that this guy is good? (laughs) Like if you, I know like picking Sean Porter in this fight wasn't ridiculous, but when you look at the layer layers to the game that these guys have, also, the mileage that was on Sean Porter coming into this fight—that was uh, Crawford doesn't have anywhere near that mileage. He's been in a couple tough fights, but nothing, nothing, anything like Crawford's been through or Porter's been through. He's been through four or five uh, just ringers of fights, and he's in his mid-thirties, so it was bound to happen. You know, we heard after the fight with the comments and the retirement of Sean Porter that that one foot was out the door. You know, his dickhead father you know, has to rub his, his son's face in it. The guy who's, you know, his career is, is based solely on his son's career, uh, has to throw his son under the fucking bus for whatever fucking reason. Like I was ready to throw in the towel. He didn't train the way I wanted him to. This wasn't the camp I wanted out of him. It's like, dude, I, I you know, maybe if you were just his trainer, I get that, but you're his dad and his fucking trainer. And you're just gonna you're just gonna drag him like that. That was so fucking odd to me, but it is what it is. You know, we got a great fight. Terence Crawford came through in his moment at welterweight. It's it's announced. If you didn't believe it, it's it's a real thing. Terence Crawford is, if not the best, the second best. However you want to fucking rank it, I don't really give a shit. But he is one of those two. So you know, I. It, you couldn't have asked for any more from a fight. You couldn't ask any more from a fighter's career than Sean Porter. I'm glad we were there for for his retirement fight because you know what? If there's a one fighter from this era that deserves respect from every fight fan, it's Sean Porter. There's a handful of them, but he's one of them. And he's one of the ones that didn't win like some of the other ones you'd name. So it's just, it goes to show you that a fighter can carve out a hell of a career by just doing, you know, Giving fight fans the fights they want to see, and he's going to have a long career commentating the sport for years to come. So he's all good. I'm glad we got to see it. And and, and let's just say this, man. I don't know what's next for Terence Crawford. You know, he he's a free agent. Apparently, he let Bob know he' gonna be a free agent. I, w- I wish you would have let him know a little a little harder. I wish you would have looked at Bob and said, "Hey, Bob, you can go ahead." and build that fucking mansion you've been crying about in Beverly Hills that I cost you over the last three years, pal. Go ahead and build it. Draw up the plans because I'm gone. You know, you're know you not going to waste any more money on me because I feel like what's going to happen in Terrence Crawford's career, and Bob's going to regret it, is that these next two or three years are going to be very lucrative for him because he's going to be in some big fights. And I'll say it now. I've always thought it. But to me, Terrence Crawford is the best welterweight in the world. I think he beats Errol Spence. I think he beats Keith Thurman. I think he beats Ugas. Whoever is left out there that you want him to fight, the, the depth and the talent and, and the athletic ability and the boxing IQ, not any of those guys could put all four of those things together as well as Terrence Crawford does. So to me, uh, uh, we saw the best welterweight in the world on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I think the mentality of Terrence Crawford says it all. Yep. you know. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, he, he just refuses to lose. You told me about something after the fight. It was an interaction in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Explain what you were telling me, because when I heard that, I was like, dude, this is fucking quintessential Bud Crawford, and this is why I love him.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, so it was uh, after the ninth round, and he's coming back to the corner, and he asked Bomag, hey, who's up? And Bomag says, he's up. and. Crawford looks at him with a face like, what the fuck? He's like, he's up. Like, that's what they told me. He's up. Bomax, like, yeah, we need to get to work. Go to work. He's like, oh, bet. And gets up off his stool with a look on his face like, yeah, uh, fuck that. This shit's over. You telling me he's up? Fuck no. Goes out the next round, finishes the fucking job. And that's what you were just talking about a second ago. There's not a lot of fighters out there that possess that fucking type of, that's it. I'm done. I'm getting this guy out of here. There's no way this man is up on me, and he sure as fuck ain't beating me. It's just that level of fucking dog, man. Like, there's a couple guys. I think Josh Taylor possesses some of that. I don't know if he has that much, but I think he possesses some of it and maybe that much. He's a nasty motherfucker, too. You know, when you think of other fighters like that, Usyk, there's nothing that sets him back. You know, he's always fucking... outside of them who inaway canelo oh shit oh. do we just name the five best fighters in the world sure god did. damn <laughs>
0: <laughs> what do they all have in common
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man uh yeah man it was um it was just so special to watch somebody so just a master just a master at his craft with just precision man he gets so much of his power from just how precise his punches land you said it man i saw some highlights afterwards i was watching when we got back you know and just watching him move so smoothly backwards around the ring just like ding ding yeah you know just pacing him as he's moving around the ring i'm sitting here going Arizona Londi, Laura Floyd Mayweather, eats your motherfucking hearts
1: out. You see what you can do? You can kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm you know? doing? There's one thing that I think, and, and this is just like a little nuanced, dorky boxing thing that uh, that if, if some people pay attention to, maybe some people don't, but I'll just point it out so maybe you can the next time Crawford fights, is that when he turns Southpaw, He is a master at keeping his lead right foot outside to the right of the of his opponent's right foot. And just kind of is like that's that's the way a Southpaw controls a fighter with their feet, is they make sure that right foot is outside of theirs. You're in good shape if you're in that position. You will not find many, many spots in a fight when Terrence Crawford is Southpaw and he does he does not have his lead foot in that position. That's a controlling position that's a fucking smart fighter man i mean one of if not the smartest fighter in boxing right now i know you know skills aside whatever boxing iq is off the fucking charts
0: yeah i mean we're gonna be revisiting the pound for pound list like we do every year we do it twice a year um and you know it'll be coming up here at the you know around the time it'll be right after the golovkin murata fight the episode uh, probably two episodes after that um, And, you know, we'll reassess the entire thing. But I think it's very clear right now that the three fighters in the world, I mean, you named, you know, the five best, right? But the three fighters to me that have the most momentum are Alexander Usyk, Canelo Alvarez, and Terrence Crawford after this fight. I know Josh Taylor has some. But it started to fizzle away. This is what happens when UK fighters, you know, they fight. And then, I mean, that was back in May, dude. We've already been to Vegas again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like so if, if we can make it twice in a year, you know, I mean, what the fuck's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I don't want to hear any excuses. So you can definitely put him number four on the list, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. we'll sort out the top two. Um, I think Usyk is firmly number three in my opinion. Oh yeah, but you know the top two's up for debate now because all the naysayers, everybody. I was a naysayer about Terrence Crawford, not Terrence Crawford the fighter. Terrence Crawford,
1: the resume, oh, the 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 welterweight run just wasn't it wasn't there wasn't much substance to it.
0: No, it just was one thing after the it just built up where it was like, okay 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 okay. okay. Um, and you know, clearly there's friction that was going on, you know, behind closed doors as a boxing fan, no matter who I'm a fan of, and Terrence Crawford is one of my favorites. I've said it on this show so many times, so many times as far as like getting up to watch one guy fight, dude, you know, it's, he's right there, dude. Yeah. He's just so excellent at his craft. The bottom line is when it comes to ranking who the best fighter in the world is right now, you got to look at everything. You got to look at everything. And I can tell you right now who thinks Terrence Crawford is the best welterweight in the world. I can name him right here on this show. The one person in this world is more sure than anybody.
1: That's fucking Errol Spence, the way he hightailed it up out of that arena. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell if it was for show or what it was because it was kind of like he gave this look and like, ah, whatever, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm This is a top-ranked bullshit. I'm gone. And it kind of had that feel to me a little bit. But <laughs> it was kind of a bad look. But that boos rained down quickly on him. I was like, "God damn, what are you gonna boo the man for? You ain't got yeah. boo him." Shit, I didn't realize it was like a top rank crowd. I guess that was a top rank crowd. I don't fucking know, but it was like, no, it was a straight up Terrence Crawford and
0: Sean Porter crowd. It was yeah. two rival. It was two rival factions in that arena that were trying to get louder. Then the next, I you know, so I think all those people, you know, I mean, they've been watching Sean on the PBC, but Sean lost to Errol, right? They might have so thought he beat him. They too. got animosity, exactly, exactly. So I, I don't know. He was, he was in, you know, f- foreign territory. You know, yeah. these PBC guys, they don't get out of the cozy confines of PBC events very often, do they?
1: Well, I mean. Uh, uh, this isn't my statistic and i didn't do any research on it but uh, according to the uh legend himself richard dick glazer al hayman is four and 18 against top ranked fighters so uh, you know there might be a reason for that. that that's pretty bad that's real bad yeah i
0: think it's further evidence that goes along with what we indicted six years ago at the beginning of the pvc once we started once we got past The initial matchups, and it was like, oh my goodness. And then we saw, while all of that mediocrity was going on, we saw fighters getting rich. I got no problem with that. And we saw fighters getting lazy. (laughs) (laughs) And I can tell you what, them getting lazy and fat and happy, that doesn't affect me when they go in the ring. That doesn't affect you or anybody that watches them fight. It only affects them, and if they're not prepared to cross the street, Well, I think there's more evidence than ever that who be ducking (laughs) hooving, right? It's piling up. The house of cards is coming down.
1: (laughs) Oh, man.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's two matchups for Terrence Crawford at this point because, honestly, I've gotten to the point it's time to mash the accelerator. Yes. Yes. Do it now. Mash the accelerator. Like you said, you said... Terrence Crawford could be lined up here as he leaves top rank for an extremely lucrative career. Yes. Uh, You know, close to his career, right? But there's two fights. It's Errol Spence. That really is the only fight. And if it it doesn't get made by the end of next year, then Errol is ducking bud. And that's just a fact, okay? But if we do not get that because Errol be ducking, then it's Josh Taylor or bust
1: yeah I, I i would say the same thing to me you know i know people have this weird interest in josh taylor Teofimo lopez I, I i'll take that fight if it happens but to me we saw josh taylor next to terrence crawford in the top ranked gym josh taylor's a big boy and he's gonna fill out a welterweight just fine and i'm looking for a guy like we said that has that dog that's got depth to his game that's a that's a You know, he's a Southpaw himself, so he may force Terrence to to stay orthodox, or we might get a Southpaw-Southpaw battle. But either way, both of those guys, two of the most skilled in boxing right now, and, and, you know, as far as the Errol Spence fight goes, I don't know, man. I I just don't know. I I feel like the both of them want too much money. They think the fight's bigger than it is. I don't think, you know, that fight's more than like a 500, 600,000-cell pay-per-view. So you can't really pay fighters a ton of money for something that sells that much. I would take your Dennis Ugas too. I think Ugas is a bit slept on in the scenario, and and if Spence doesn't want to step up, and if Taylor's not going to be ready after this fight in February, and and Ugas wants to step to the forefront and take that fight, I think Ugas could could cause plenty of problems for Terence Crawford, just like he would cause problems for Errol Spence or Josh Taylor or whoever he. Ugas is very very skilled fighter. And he showed that against Pacquiao, countering Pacquiao very well, much, much like Terrence Crawford was on Saturday night. He was stepping back a little bit and countering Manny Pacquiao. So, you know, very highly skilled boxer. Any of those three fights next is acceptable. Outside of that, what are we doing, man? What are we wasting time for? You know what I mean? Like the guy's 34 years old, going to be 35 really soon. Let's go. You, You know, 36, 37 the, the the cliff is he's going to start to fall off of that cliff and the and the athletic ability is going to slip and the boxing ability is going to slip and he's going to eventually get caught. So the time is now, you know, let's do it.
0: Yeah, it, it has to be now for Errol Spence, too. Yes. Right? I mean, all these guys are the same age. You know, I mean, Taylor's a little bit younger,
1: but Errol's, under- Errol's what? Thirty one, thirty two.
0: Yeah, I think he's 31, 32, Um, you know, but remember, he also fucking had a pretty bad car accident recently and his eyeball fell out. So hopefully, (laughs) you know, look, Ugas is interesting because he has a belt. All right. Otherwise, I could care less. And I think most people could. Uh, That's pretty much the majority sentiment of boxing fans when it comes to fighters from Cuba. Let's just be honest. Okay. They're not very entertaining. Um, if Ugas didn't have the opponent that he had in Manny Pacquiao, a guy who still thought he could be aggressive but was over the hill, um, I don't think he would have looked nearly as good. So uh, I, me personally, I don't like that matchup. I don't like that fight. I don't think it's a very good fight. I think it's awkward because that's what happens when you fight a Cuban fighter, unless it's King Kong Ortiz. <laughs> <laughs> then you know that a body is going to hit the floor yeah. one way or the other. <laughs> Right, um, you know th- that's just my thought. I'm not a big Ugas guy, and then take away what he did, and and he's he's a champion. So you know a belt's a belt. Let's let's do it. But that would definitely be my third option
1: too. I agree. Yeah, I mean after after that that that's option three, and after that I don't even really care about option four. I know Keith Thurman is trying to throw his hat in the ring. Look, we all know what Keith doing. Keith looking for one more payday. He's looking for cash out. I'm not interested in watching Keith Thurman cash out. You know, Terrence going to knock his fucking block off if they fight. His whole career has been a cash out, Vin. No. No, it has not. I will not, I will not uh, accept such disrespect, sir. <laughs> Up until 2016-17, we was legit. We ain't been for about four or five years now. <laughs> no, nah,
0: man. He took that trip to the Himalayan Mountains. He met his wife, and he hadn't been the
1: same since. And he was, you know, he was given the uh, crown uh, of the PBC when they started, and he got some big paydays, and I think it got to his fucking head. Let's be honest, man.
0: All right, let's be honest. He couldn't solve the Leonard Bundu riddle,
1: and it (laughs) fucked him for the rest of his career. (laughs) No, Ken, (laughs) it was Jesus Soto Carras.
0: Oh, man. I, I just remember when Thurman dropped Bundu, right? Yeah. He dropped him. First was, round. The fight was over. He could have just destroyed him. That was the end of Keith Thurman in the ring for me. Well, yeah, because okay. after the fight,
1: he's like, yeah, you know, I just want to get some rounds in. What? One time? Get him out of there, dude. <laughs> Look, if, hey,
0: if that's who it has to be, that's who it has to be. I, you know, the first thing I'm looking forward to is seeing where he lands. I don't think Eddie Hearn is going to make a play at this guy.
1: Terrence needs to go where the money is, man. That there's no don't go messing around with Eddie and zone and then be whining about you can't get the fights. You gotta go to the PBC. Unfortunately, or work how Canelo is, but you don't have that fucking clout, man. To yeah. be a free agent fighter and do a fight-by-fight deal, if you're gonna if the PBC is gonna offer you one of their champions, you better be ready to accept a two or three fight whatever deal after that it's not going to be just a one fight deal for him he just doesn't have that clout I know he thinks he does he just come off that pay-per-view but he ain't got that
0: clout look man sometimes when you're as dangerous as let's say a man like Alexander Usyk you got to take the hardest road yes you know and now it's time to do that for Crawford it's not going to be you know uh you've had your time to hone your skills yes okay <laughs> You're 6 and 0 at welterweight with 6 knockouts. I would say that's pretty fucking good considering the more and more we learn and the more and more that Terence Crawford separates himself from the rest of the division. Just kind of how overblown it was. But then again, it was the it was the anchor of the PBC. It These was. guys anchored the launch. They did. You know? So the hype job had to be intense. Um and now we'll see what happens because you hit the nail on the head. it's PBC or bust. Yeah. Um, all right, so Terrence Crawford puts on a show. The crowd was great. Um, great time at Mandalay Bay. Let's talk about our trip to Vegas, Vin. Uh, we stayed next door at the Luxor, you know. Um, for some reason, I've been so unbelievably reckless with my money over my life that for this trip I decided not to be. So I I was like, you know, let's nickel and dime, of all things, the hotel room, right? Uh, Little did I know, uh, there's more rumors going around about the Luxor being demolished soon in the next couple years than there are fucking work orders for new elevator systems in that fucking dump. (laughs) I mean, dude, I've never been in a hotel anywhere. It doesn't matter what brand it is, much less Vegas. I'm saying I've never stayed in a hotel that has a fucking elevator as
1: bad as probably six of them at the Luxor. Would you agree? Oh, you can't. There was that goddamn digital key system that needs to have uh, what? It's got to have some kind of cell service. So you get in the elevator, the door closes and you put it on there, but you don't have any service. So the key doesn't work. That's fucking, (laughs) fucking brilliant fucking design, guys. The best, hey, the best hey. thing they got going for them, Ken, is they're connected to Mandalay Bay. Like yep. the, there's a connector there. You can run through Luxor and be out of there and up in Mandalay Bay, and you'll be just fine. Yeah, in a snap of the fingers, you're walking through a nice shopping mall. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know?
0: Um, yeah, man. I mean, that gets to my second point about the Luxor. Not just not being able to use these digital keys in in the elevator. How about some fucking Wi-Fi that works? Yeah. Like, you know, but guess what? Back when we built this thing in 1993, well, the only way we can construct a pyramid is to make it out of 100% concrete. (laughs) (laughs) let's build a bunker right from the outside from the outside it looks like it's all
1: glass from the inside it feels like you're in a in cell block five it does it does it is not i would highly recommend against staying at the luxor not the spot no do not nickel and dime the fucking room yeah pay the extras 50 60 bucks a night and you're in mandalay
0: yeah, I will say this about Mandalay. Other than um, sort of the traveling slash floating smell of a big fat poop in a toilet that was circling the place from time to time.
1: There was little po- uh, there was pockets. Certain- yeah, little
0: pockets of poop. Like somebody was running around shooting off a real live fart gun. <laughs> <laughs> Um other than that, uh, you know, it's a nice casino. They got good restaurants there. Yeah. Um you know, ate at Wolfgang Puck's Lupo, ate there again after I dropped you off at the airport. Oh, nice. First go around, had the Chilean sea bass, it was money. Uh second time, I got the veal pappardelle. Oh. Big thick big thick long noodles with like braised beef and veal. Nice. Oh, dude, it was dynamite. Absolute dynamite. Uh House of Blues? Very good. Bur- Burgers were great. Wings were hot. And then I think the best thing about that restaurant were the 80-year-old Bengals fans with the inability to stop their flatulence as they have their ass hung over your table while you're eating because they're three deep at the bar with geriatrics after the Raiders-Bengals game. I mean,
1: (laughs) you looked at me and you were like, that fucking guy just farted. He dug in his ass and just went and farted i heard a, I heard a (laughs) i mean you had poop particles on your plate at that point there's there's no there's no oh dude who the fuck just like you know there's a table behind you and this guy just said just went ahead and said yeah fuck it get in there real quick (laughs) (laughs) fucking
0: awful dude Oh man. Yeah, but you know what though? This isn't so much an indictment of any of these facilities or restaurants. This is more just a story and a tale, and to help you understand better the kind of luck that we have.
1: <laughs> hey, we had the right um, we had the right kind of luck, and that was at the sports book, buddy. It
0: was. It was. As, you know, I think we combined I was playing two two separate books simultaneously, but I think we combined for over two thousand dollars worth of winnings. It's a good weekend. So yeah, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Um, and then, you know, one of the highlights of the trip after the fight was over, uh, we went up to Songs Mexican Cantina, which we stopped by, uh, you know, a few times and, you know, had some street tacos and met up with our friend, hung out, had some drinks and some food uh, with the blonde bomber herself, Miss mm-hmm. Ebony Bridges. Um, and trust me. She is every bit the force in person that she is online, yeah no doubt about yeah.
1: it yeah, she's not uh she's not pulling punches online, she's not just talking shit, that's her, nah,
0: yeah, straight up, straight up, um, so yeah, we had a lot of fun, um finally getting to meet one of our our really good Twitter friends, y'all like, what y'all be hating on women's boxing and shit, um, no, we just hate on bad fights, but we love ebony, yeah. how about that yeah, she don't mind us being real about it, no, um. And you know what, man? Game no game, son. Game no game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, shout out to our girl. Uh, You might see her on a future episode of the show. We shall see. Um, And then, two other things that I did. So, I I picked up Vin at the airport on Friday night. And, you know, Vin is a really good employee. He's probably going to win Employee of the Year for cramming in this trip from Friday night to. Sunday night into Monday morning, um, and you know my voice and Vin's jet lag here is making for an explosive, <laughs> <laughs> an explosive uh, high tea episode, wouldn't you say, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got there on Thursday, and I went to the Hoover Dam. Wow. Mm. Wow, boomer. Mm. Hoover Dam. Did you take that some pictures. Excellent. Post them I on Facebook, some- Ken. No, I put them on MySpace, actually, <laughs> uh, and Friendster. But no, um, you know, I drive out there, and I no idea what to expect. And let me tell you something, man. Just the drive from Vegas out there reminded me so much of my year in southern Afghanistan. I mean, the terrain was identical. I mean, identical. You know, besides the you know, fucking miles of solar panels and the gigantic electrical infrastructure that's carrying the power from the dam. Um, Yeah, it looks just like it. But as so, uh, dude, it was the experience was fantastic. You got to go through a security checkpoint, right? They're looking for fucking somebody coming to do a terrorist attack or something. Once you get through that, man, it is just you feel like you're on a different fucking planet. So for all of you out there that think you're too fucking cool to do that while you're in Vegas, do it. Get outside, get some fucking fresh air. It's like two and a half hours round trip to go. They got food and drinks. They got a fucking souvenir store. Buy your fucking, buy the significant loved one that allowed you to go on the trip something. How about that?
1: Oh, what a good guy you are, Ken. What are you talking about? I bought
0: my wife a $600 bracelet with some of that winning, son.
1: <laughs> you did. You did.
0: <laughs> but before I did win that $600, I got her a magnet at the Hoover Dam.
1: <laughs> you you got to soften that landing when you get home, baby. Got that backup prize. <laughs> he is your prize. Um, yeah. So, uh,
0: you know, that was one of the best parts of, of of my trip personally. So that's how I opened my trip but the way that I closed my trip was, you know what man, I love food, I love a great burger, right? Let's head over to the famous West Coast In-N-Out Burger. I was a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain's career, right? On TV. And one of the things on his shows that was a a, a common theme was anytime he landed at LAX or in Vegas, he went straight to In-N-Out Burger. It was the it's the first thing he did when he landed. And you know, look, I like to cook good good food too and we all have our little comfort foods that you know we go to. So, I'm a I'm like romanticizing about this burger, right? All all the time you and I have grown up in the epicenter of burger paradise. The best burgers in the world are in Washington DC. Period. Period. No better burgers in the world. Uh and so that's my mentality going into it. Go through the drive-through pleasant experience felt like i was at a fucking a milkshake uh drive-through place in the 19 fucking 60s people had paper hats on you could see through the windows everybody's working it's like a west coast 50s throwback version of chick-fil-a service Mm -hmm. right everybody's on point professional uh, polite so i look at the menu board very simple menu board but in gigantic letters it says double cheeseburger the Classic. Okay. Well, Matt, at this fucking Hall of Fame place, right? Let me get the Classic. I get the Classic, and I open up the bag. Burger looks nice in the half wrapper. Everything looks proportionate. Little did I know that when I bit into this motherfucker, there would be a frisbee-sized center full slice of white onion um, that I could not reconcile as that... Fucking hit me in the top of the palate. And unfortunately, because I couldn't see it underneath the bun, it was the same size as one of the burger patties. French fries were like frozen bag French fries. They were limp. They were thin. They tasted like fucking cardboard. All right. So you got L's across the board here when you're comparing yourself to a fucking classic American street burger like Five Guys. First and foremost, the fries, they hand cut the fries. You can even be like, man, I be eating motherfucking fries from motherfucking Idaho. <laughs> These came from this town in Idaho. Ooh, where are the potatoes from today? Washington State? Ooh, Wyoming potatoes, but they're fresh, they're cut, and you can get them Cajun style, right? And that's the thing about the Five Guys burger is that when you get that thing right out of the wrapper it is fucking
1: just hot it is fresh you can build it there's like 25 there's not like you go there and like give me the number one that comes with this that and this there's a list of toppings and a list of sauces and all that shit you build it however the fuck you want you want a frisbee sized fucking onion on your motherfucking burger they'll give it to you but that shit's fucking nasty dude you said that i'm like I love onions, too. I love onion rings. I love onions. You put a whole fucking slice of an onion on a burger, that's going to fucking destroy everything. It just overpowers everything on the fucking burger. eh, Hey, I'm glad we didn't go when I was there because I would have been disappointed.
0: Well, so here's the thing. So the bottom bun on this thing was really thick, and I was trying to figure that out. I was like, why is this thing so substantial? It was, like, dense. And it had some crunch to it. It was toasted, right? But I want the crunch coming from the edge of the fucking beef. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I don't want, I don't want the crunch coming from the bottom bun, because then I'm thinking, like, that is sus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that is sus, because it could be a fucking stale bun. doesn't look like it could be a stale bun in a place where people are fucking moving and shaking and shaking and moving and making milkshakes and all that and fucking crazy shit, doing shake weights. Um, But, you know, it, I don't know, man. It just... I ate half the burger and I was like, this tastes like fucking Sonic. This tastes like it, it, it honestly tastes like checkers, or I guess on the West Coast it's called rallies. But guess what? Checkers has better fries. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the truth. So then, you know, I just am honest. I go on Twitter and I just tell everybody, I uh, give them a quick, hey, this East Coast boy finally had the famous In and Out and Five Guys dominates. Well, then comes out the cult of, in and out burger telling me that i ordered wrong that you got to get it animal style four by four animal style is that four patties is that four fucking patties yes and i'm and it comes with all kinds of shit on i'm sitting here thinking to myself all right first off i'm 41 okay i drank heavily since the age of 15 and i just quit three years ago okay I can't eat like that anymore. When I was 21 and or 20, you know, my early 20s going out and fucking raging, getting drunk, dude, where we live, you go to Waffle House, right? One o'clock in the morning and you just crush. So I get it. Uh, When we were growing up, we get all fucking high and shit. The only place that was open was 7-Eleven. We go get a quarter pound fucking big bite and cover it in salsa, jalapenos, onions, fake cheese, all that shit. So I get it. Totally get it. If those are the circumstances and that is the context under which you go get this mysteriously unknown burger that only a few people know the, the cheat code to, um, here, let me give you some context, all right? I was on my way to the fucking airport to go home. I am not eating an animal burger and then getting on a flight for two and a half hours.
1: <laughs> Come on, man. You don't want to paint the walls of that bathroom? i don't even want to get up while i'm on the fucking plane i
0: like the window seat i'm trying to see some shit
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i, oh, I don't, oh. for me I, I i haven't had it so i can't speak for it but i trust your review a hundred percent for me it's a shake shack burger it's a five guys oh. burger or it's a big fuck you <laughs> have you ever had fat burger fat burger
0: i have not had no okay michael montero from montero on boxing says try fat burger so that goes on the list, but I'm with you. Out of all the burger joints I've been to, uh, Shake Shack, I like Shake Shack's fries, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, the crinkle cut fries, but Shake Shack's burgers are fucking dynamite, and they're definitely better. But look, a the, hey, the price point, though, which I'll give these, so that goes on to the context of late night partying, drinking, I'm, I'm I'm high as shit, I need something to eat. Dude, you can get that that whole double burger, fries, and a drink for seven bucks. So That's you know, pretty good. It's half the price of... Of five guys. Yeah,
1: you know? Shake Shack, that's um, gonna cost you
0: about 18, 20 bucks. Hey Amen. It could not, the saying could not be truer, though, Vin. You get what you fucking pay for. You really do. <laughs> Absolutely. Y'all think you're getting a deal, but what you're getting is fucking Sonic for seven bucks. <laughs> right? So when I, last thing on this Vegas trip, when when I got there, I went to Chick-fil-A. Because where I'm living right now, there's no Chick-fil-A. All right. And I got to eat my very first chick-fil-a sandwich my freshman year of college at the university of south carolina in columbia south carolina where chick-fil-a was only in the fucking in the deep south at that point all right there were no fucking chick-fil-as anywhere we had one in our student union building where all the you know places you could go and use your you know your little dining cart or whatever um and i ate there every fucking day probably eight years before anybody up here even had one of them motherfuckers you know what i'm saying so I got a special place in my heart for Chick-fil-A. I go to Chick-fil-A when I get off the fucking thing, and I was like, you know what? Oh, I'm so excited. I take a bite out of this. I'm like, why does this taste like red rooster fried chicken? But There's something wrong with this fucking sandwich. You know what it is? These fucking West Coast cats trying to make Southern fried chicken sandwiches motherfuckers don't even put the pickles on it i'm like this ain't no you gotta have the 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 buttered bun the pickles and the fried chicken they didn't put no pickles on it Ooh. i'm like they would do that shit on the west coast oh yeah pickles is a must on that Man, y'all need to y- y'all need to take a, a a trip to the deep south and get you some lessons on some on some cooking. You know what I'm saying? R- trying to ruin Chick fil A, overrating In aNd Out Burger. What's wrong with y'all? Even hey. fucking chicken and waffles. Y'all crazy.
1: That menu of uh, your dining experience through Las Vegas. That's some serious eating there, my friend. It's like Chick fil A, In aNd Out. Lupo's twice, who songs twice? It's like, God damn, son. <laughs> but you know the best part about Vegas?
0: Because you can't get anywhere quickly. Everything is a mile walk. Even if it's only 500 feet away, the casino will put signage to make it a mile long walk for you. Dude, I ate better than I have in probably 20 years, right? Easily. And I lost four pounds. You can only
1: do that in Vegas. I was the same way. I came home. I was like, how the fuck did I lose fucking weight? I drank like 18 Jack and Cokes and ate like a motherfucker. I should not have lost weight. That's because you walk like a motherfucker. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And Vin and I would definitely,
0: you know, we have a future in a, you know, fucking speed walking tournaments, don't you think? <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm just fucking trying to keep up with you. It's like, God damn, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> I lost 50 pounds, man. I got my quickness back. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, let's get to these fight previews and
0: get out of here, Ven. Tiafimo Lopez versus George Kambosos is finally going to happen. Where are you at on this fight right now? Because it lost all of its momentum. And I'm, I'm literally, I apologize if this preview sucks. I'm literally revisiting this conversation for the first time in months right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't thought about this fight. This fight has been completely off my radar. This fight, I, I don't know, man. Well, here's what I'll say. Tiafimo Lopez has went from one of the biggest rising stars in the sport to a nothing burger in about 16 months. He has got to reannounce himself on Saturday night. This cannot be a 12 rounds. Ooh, Tio looks a little easy. You know, this has got to be a fucking statement knockout. If he wants to, you know, re-enter the same trajectory that he had a a year ago after the Lomachenko fight. Uh, That's the main thing that I want to see, you know, and as far as Cambosis goes, he's completely unproven against a guy as talented and athletically gifted as Tiafimo Lopez is. You know, I I think one thing that I know people see it, but Tiafimo Lopez might legitimately be if not the most, one of the three or four most athletically gifted fighters in the game as far as quickness, his his ability to snap off a fucking right hand or a left hook, he's got quick twitch. He's got quick twitch. There ain't no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, we need to see that on display in, on Saturday night. This this has got to be an emphatic knockout win. Absolutely. Absolutely it has to. Uh, George
0: Kambosis. Seems very confident coming into he this does. fight. And that is the, that's really the best thing that he can hope for. If he comes in with the mentality that he can't lose, we're going to be in for a firefight, dude, because guys like that are not easily taken out, right? Now, we don't know anything about this guy's chin. Yeah. But, you know, if he comes, well, we'll learn about it very quickly because all the talk that's been coming from George Cambosis um, that he's coming for that he's coming to take his belts from Tiafimo, all this stuff. You better be 150% supremely confident because if you're going to attack Tiafimo Lopez, you are going to get detonated on. All
1: right. He's got a pound for pound right hand. And my fear for Cambosis here, Ken, is that he he does he is a talented boxer. He's got a little quickness himself. He's a little shifty. But I think his his downfall in this fight is thinking that he can match his. His quickness and his boxing ability up with Tiafimo's when there's a gap there that he's not seeing. And if he does that, he's going to get knocked the fuck out, dude. Well, that's what I'm predicting. Uh, you know,
0: I can't imagine that Tiafimo Lopez is going to allow this fight to go past six rounds. And if he does, if this thing goes the distance, it's either because we underrated George Cambosis severely yeah. or we have seen. Performances by Tiafimo in the past. Dude, this guy can look rusty. Yeah. He can look, I don't know, unsettled for a little while in fights. So maybe George Cambosis can have some luck. I, I don't think this time off for Tiafimo has been good for him. No. It, it, has it? It can't be. That's a fucking impossible. And dude, I still cannot get over that fucking gut punch that he took from the fucking mountain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I, if I'm Cambosis, I'm going go, to right for the midsection. Just check it out and see what's see what's getting down there. <laughs> no chance, no chance. Tiafimo's recovered from that yet. Ah, <laughs> no chance.
1: He shouldn't have.
0: <laughs> um, I don't see much. I don't see much light at the end of the tunnel for Cambosis in this one, Ven.
1: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict it. Tiafimo Lopez stops him in the seventh round. Ooh, ooh I'm going to go a tad bit early. I'm going to say Tio in foe. T-O-N-F-O. Nice. Hey, if they have individual rounds, then I'm betting the four and
0: the seven. Well, we'll just do the group betting for a little happiness, Edge. How about hey, that? <laughs> group betting hit last week, and let's hit it again. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we haven't outkicked our coverage on that front. You know what? I, I need to see this fight. You know, I don't really have much more to say about yeah. it. We've talked about it enough. We've talked about Tiafimo enough over time. Like, this Fight has gotten enough publicity, and maybe as we circle to the end of this conversation, maybe that's why you know it's it's just tired. It's tired at this point. It, it, it just is weird see to fight. see him
1: on the isn't it? Like he's on, he's yeah, on DAZN, it's, he's it's, on the zone ads. It's like this, fuck, weird, man. This guy's signed to top rank. I will give Tiafimo
0: this, even though he is a little bit desperate for attention. As we saw him up, he brought his belts to the fucking Canelo fight so he could get a selfie <laughs> with Canelo. He fucking just butt rushed this. That's disturbing. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, but Tiafimo never met a camera or, you know, a spotlight he didn't like, you know? Mm-hmm. The guy's been traveling to other people's fight cards forever, right? But it is funny to see him in the advertisements for Dazone. Uh is. You know, and the way things are, you know, been going lately for old Edward of Hearn, you know, he
1: doesn't get the sir back until he fucking puts together a fucking decent car. I'm tired of this bullshit. Old Eddie's having a old Eddie's <laughs> having an affair on Saturday night. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh man, Eddie. He is a fucking
0: whatever he is, man, he's fucking Eddie. That's all we know. <laughs> um, all right, then let's get to Brandon Figueroa versus Stephen Fulton. A unification fight the WBC and WBO 122-pound straps are on the line on Showtime. This fight, I know, probably tickles your pickle a bit more than the lopez Cambosas fight. Oh, I'm just going to guess.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a way better fight. Way better fight. Uh, styles match up better. Um, I, I think this is a can't-miss fight. I, I will say this. I think it's a can't-miss fight up until a certain point because I hold Stephen Fulton in very high regard, as far as the skill level goes, and a boxer goes, and he showed me in his last fight that he can dig down, he can put his he can put his foot in the sand, put his weight put his weight into it, and throw down on the inside too. I couldn't be more impressed with a fighter from his last performance coming into this. And I and look, Brandon Figueroa is a tough kid, and he's proven it plenty of times. Okay, and I just think that there's a gap in skill in this fight that is going to be that is going to slowly come to the forefront as we get to the middle rounds. I think Figueroa survives, Ken. I think he can survive this fight. I think he possesses enough skill. He's a tough enough kid. He gets through it. But I think in the process, um, it's going to be close for three, four, five rounds, and Stephen Fulton is going to separate himself, and he is going to put on a performance where people at the end of this go, well, damn, I think we know who the best 122-pound fighter in the world is right now. And uh there's gonna be some big fights in the future because there's some there's a certain pound for pound guy that uh exists in a weight class and one at one eighteen right below him right now that I'd like to see Gojira. take that step up at some point. If Top Rank ever figures out how to use this guy, you know, don't don't put him in Japan or anything. Don't don't do that. That that doesn't make sense. Let's have him fight this no name he's fighting in fucking February or whenever the fuck it is. I, I don't even remember what it what the guy's name is. But if in a way, and Fulton were to meet at 122, that is fucking fireworks right there, my friend. That is for me, one of the five fights that I can that I could build in my head right now to see next year in boxing. that's one of them, and that I'm telling you, if that fight fucking happens, that is an absolute fucking war. I completely agree. I think you
0: have been settled on who the best 122 in the world is for a little
1: while now. Yes. Uh, would that be accurate? Yes, uh, for the last couple of years, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I agree with your assessment. I think that Figueroa is going to wind up at, at some point in the back half of this fight finding himself chasing Stephen Fulton too much. Not that Fulton is going to bike this thing. I'm not saying right, that at all. Right. He's just going to feel like he can't catch him. He's yes. going to feel tired. You know what I mean? And he's going to get peppered in the accumulation and I'm sure while he's trying to figure out his way in, Fulton's gonna piece him
1: up with body shots. Figueroa is tough as shit. Um, Angelo Leo was tough as shit too, and Fulton just absolutely battered him. Ken just battered him. Well, what did you say? Like we
0: always talk about the, you know, the old stereotype then—the urban fighter versus the Latin fighter, right? And you said that that shit don't matter at any level except the elite. Well, this is the elite right here, so we should see some separation. You're gonna see it. You will see it. I'm
1: telling you right now. And and look, here's another thing for Figueroa. As he said this week, this is probably his last fight at 122. That's never a good sign. That's a that's a tall kid. So that tells you right there, this weight cut is fucking bothering him, and he doesn't want to do it again. So that that you got to keep that in the back of your mind when thinking about this fight. Um, that that could be a you know a major factor in the second half. All right, what's your prediction? I'm going to say Stephen Fulton wins nine rounds and and cleanly uh, dismantles uh, Figueroa in this fight. I think this thing gets stopped in the 11th. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think it gets stopped in
0: the 11th. I think Brandon Figueroa is going to go out on his shield, and because of that effort and the supreme skill of Stephen Fulton, you'll see an exhausted fighter get pieced
1: up at the end. Um, this thing is going to get waved off, brother. Yeah, and look, I, I think if If this happens the way we think it's going to happen, I don't think Stephen Fulton's in the top ten pound for pound off of this win that that's a kind of a ridiculous no. statement. But I think he enters the conversation for guys that are on the fringe and guys that are right there with another big win or unification or whatever the case may be, they can enter the conversation towards the end of twenty twenty two
0: absolutely all right then well some short previews man but when in vegas it only happens twice a year you know come on it might only happen once if it happens at all next year yeah uh,
1: after this trip we've been three times since kovalev canelo i'm good on the vegas fights for a little bit i'd like to get some east coast action please (laughs) (laughs) too much carnage in the streets in new york city right now they have no fights i don't even want to. i don't even you know what i don't even (laughs) want to go there for a fight right now can we get it like Back to normal, yeah, if we had a Delorean, um
0: then we could have a fight there, you know right. hopefully T survives you know, with his asthma and everything um all right, man, let's close the show <laughs> let's close the show with a review, a movie review, a first here on the boxing rant podcast, but Rocky Four is you know. I wouldn't call it the best Rocky movie of all time, but for our age, I'm 41, Vince is 40, 80, 81, uh, 85, 86, 87, 80. Like, that's the time when we're becoming aware to all of these amazing things. And Rocky Four was the first Rocky movie. I know you got a story about your first experience with it, but it had such a huge impact
1: on our childhoods. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what made me a boxing fan. At the age of four and, and a few months, my dad took me to see Rocky Four on Christmas Eve to get my hyper ass and my cousin out of the house so they could f- wrap presents and do all that shit. And I also think my fucking dad wanted to get out of wrapping presents and doing all that shit because he was a Rocky fan. <laughs> So he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll just just take them down to see Rocky four standing up on my seat during the fight and the entire crowd up out of their chairs watching the the final fight scene of that movie completely changed my life. I mean, that experience was like I've never been a part of anything like that fucking four years old. The impact that that had on me, I'm I'm here doing a boxing podcast because of that. I don't know if I should thank my dad for that or not. Should I, am doing a boxing podcast now. <laughs> nah, <Yeah. laughs> hey, don't let him have the upper hand back. You fucking got that
0: once you got size and, and became bigger than Rocky. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't give it back to him. Um, all right. Before you give me your review, then tell me about when, when this was announced that Sly Stallone was going to cut this, okay. That he was going to take Rocky four and that he was going to edit it the way that he wanted to um when he first made the movie that he wasn't allowed to knowing that when this was announced what were your initial feelings
1: you know, my initial feelings were boing yes i fucking want to see- <laughs> no, hesitation. no dude uh, look i rocky is is my is my star wars okay like that's that's uh-huh. that's my shit it just always has been all the newest rocky movies even creed i go on opening day that's just me I go to the early matinee show. I've taken off work. I took off work to go to Rocky Balboa to see the premiere of that movie. So, you know, just so you know where I stand with that shit. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like all those movies have been great. I've walked out of the theater many times here lately. Like, yeah, that was all right, I guess. But you know, yeah. either way, I'm there opening day for all of it.
0: Yeah. You know, when I heard about it, it's just the cynic and like the skeptic in me, you know, I'm like, man, I don't want this to be, I don't want it to ruin the feelings I have about it because, you know, Rocky movies, I would say whether it's Star Wars or Rocky or the Karate Kid or Back to the Future, or Indiana Jones, that's, that's my go top all top the gun. time. The, top gun. Yeah, th- dude, that's my pocket of comfort when it comes to movies, the movies that we grew up you know, watching his kids. So that was my only hesitation. I was glad you saw it first though. Mm-hmm. And you gave me a pretty decent review. Here's what I'll say. What this director's cut was, in my opinion, it was Sylvester Stallone giving you a more detailed and in-depth look about not only his relationship with Apollo Creed, but also, Adrian's relationship with Apollo Creed, what he meant to their family, and what boxing meant to Apollo Creed. They spent the first half of the movie basically giving you the real, the whole story, and the, the turmoil, and the back and forth. Dude, I'm telling you right now, when Apollo died and Rocky goes to Russia, I was more excited for him to go to Russia than ever. Yeah. I was more like, all right, now, you know what I mean? Like I felt like I knew Apollo better. Right. Like that, that's that was my huge that was my huge takeaway. Now, my one complaint about the entire movie, just one. And it's fucking I think I think you will agree with me. The James Brown scene, the ring walk, was way
1: too long. It was. Way too it long. It was. It was. And it was in the first movie, too. It, it, I, I get it. I would have done something with that. You could shorten it up, figure something out. It it seemed like they extended it by like 30 or 45 seconds from the original movie. They played the entire song from the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. That was not a good, that was not good. Look, like I, like you said, I thought the first half of the movie was a completely like they completely changed the story, not the story, but the trajectory of the story. Cause to me, when, when you watch the first one, it seemed more about East versus West. And this one was more about Rocky's re- uh, revenge uh, uh, of Apollo. That was the difference in, in the movie because from the, by the time he goes to Russia on there's literally very little difference to the movie. The last 30 to 40 minutes is pretty much the same movie, but I thought some of the best parts of the movie were the additions he made to the final fucking fight scene with drago i thought there was just little bits and pieces maybe five ten seconds here or there that added a lot to that fight some different camera angles it, it just it felt a little it was the same fight but it felt a little different and i i thought he nailed that aspect of it the front part of it was a little jarring just because i've seen it a hundred times and i felt like is this a different story you're trying to tell me but you you think about it when it's all over with, and you go, "No, nah, I get it. I get it. Like he, he is telling a different story. Like this is the director's cut. He it took a different road the first time, but this time, this is what he wanted to do with it. I, overall, I liked it. It wasn't the greatest fucking thing ever, you know. For what are you? We're gonna give it the five the five uh, five star scale what no because i wouldn't give the original movie five no i'm five just saying on, give the, <laughs> on the scale on the scale of five oh, stars yeah. well like three seven three seven five look i'll do it
0: i'll relate it to what some people out there you know can relate as far as rating movie skills the imdb scale out right all right let's just do 10 stars all right. all right the original movie for me was seven stars as a movie Sentimentally. It gets two more it gets two more points mm-hmm. emotionally, right? So then it becomes a nine just because of what it means to me, right? But just looking at it from a strict like just just analyzing the movie, both and, and 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 the director's cut. The director's cut's an eight and a half. You liked it better? I I liked it. I thought it was so good. I'm just I, I just thought it was he cut that movie how he meant it to be. I felt the same exact way when I saw The Justice League when it was released and then when Zack Snyder was able to do his to complete his vision. It was it was it was a different a different time it was a different continuum. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like it didn't veer so far off the main artery. You know what I mean? It kind of just rode parallel. To yeah. It. Um yeah, I just think overall I really loved apollo in this movie i just thought that it was dude he was great he was absolutely fantastic and one point that you made when you gave me your review um when we got to vegas you're right man your boy sly sweater game oh on point Ooh. on point
1: oh the first half of that movie every scene he comes in i'm like look at look at that sweater god damn i need that and it was uh, no. uh, just for I, I dude, I'm not a sweater guy. I don't own one sweater. I immediately wanted a sweater <laughs> and I have a built in one right here. I, I don't need one.
0: <laughs> Only for your travels to the Arctic. That's all.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, man. Yeah. I, you know what? I was surprised. I, I can't tell you the last time I watched a movie where somebody told me that they liked it like you
1: did and I liked it even more. Like, I, you know, I didn't expect you to like it. Never that way. I did not expect you to like it more. I thought you were going to like it, but I I figured you'd have been like, eh, that first part was kind of, yeah. I watched it
0: on the airplane on the way home from Vegas. So I was in a very sentimental mood, man. I was on my way to see my kids and my wife. Like, I was the end of a trip, you know what I mean? And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, my fucking Apollo. You know, <laughs> Apollo. Um, yeah, man, I loved it. I loved it. You know, um, not very often that somebody can take something as valuable as that and tamper it with it. You know what yeah. I mean? And then you come away with it still with a, a positive outlook. I, I, I figured you would be more harsh on it because, you know, like Rocky's your shit, just like I would if, you know, like the next Star Wars movies com- comes out, I'm going to tell you all about it and you're not going to listen to a word of it. You know what I mean? I'll catch a few things here and the back. Ooh, Boba Fett. <laughs> what <laughs> lightsaber? Okay, yeah, I know what that is.
1: <laughs> what about a Schwartz?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, now, now, if we could just redo Rocky Five, let's just uh, whole new script. Let's just plug one in there. How about this? That? Is all CGI? <laughs> That's the thing about Rocky, man. Like as a kid, when we grew up, like Rocky One was unwatchable as a child. Yeah, like you could only watch the you could only watch the fight scene at the end because you have no idea what the fuck is going on. Rocky Two. Is really where we started as far as like being a kid growing up, like you could reconcile all those movies, you could understand all of them. It wasn't until I was an adult that I gained the appreciation that the Academy had for it uh when it chose it for Oscar winning. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I,
1: I always say that people what people sleep on more than anything in the Rocky series is from the first two movies. There is some absolutely fucking hilarious one liners throughout both of them from all of the characters that you just got to, I mean, they fucking crack me up and I've seen it a hundred fucking times. How do you spell Del Rio? I don't know. Rock, look it up in a dictionary, <laughs> like shit like that. You know, the whole, uh, what do you think about investing in condominiums? Rock? Oh, well, I never used them. <laughs> it's like all, all those lines, all those lines. I, that's what makes me love the movie still as an adult. He says, hey,
0: Rock, here's $50. Take, a, take Adrian out for for a meal on me. And then the uh, what's-his-name sitting next to him? He goes, hey, Rock, yeah? <laughs> take it to the zoo. <laughs> I hear retards like the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: you can't even say that man. in a movie. It's you can't even line. say that in a movie today.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for uh, Vin and Ken's uh, film review. I May mean, hey, Maybe it's the beginning of a new podcast. Uh,
1: I don't know about that, Ken.
0: <laughs> if anybody's interested in paying us to do a movie
1: podcast, I'd be I, down. We'll do it. it it's going to cost, though. The sure shit. <laughs>
0: sure shit. Not interested in paying for this. <laughs> uh, except our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you. You guys you guys keep the lights on. Uh, even if that's all it does, it keeps the lights yes. on. <laughs> Uh, okay, man.
1: Well, let's get out of here. Slide, let's slide.
0: All right, we got um, a busy episode next week in the post-fight. Looking forward to Brandon Figueroa versus Stephen Fulton, and of course we'll have the aftermath. Tiafoe Lopez versus George Cambosis, and a preview of Devin Haney versus Jojo Diaz, as that is snuck up, and that will be pleasantly accepted because that is going to be big-time proving grounds for both men. Yes, no doubt, about. indeed. All right, we appreciate all of you listening to episode 338 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. Anywhere audio podcasts are available. The video version is available at the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And you can drop by our website, theboxingrant.com, pick up some swag, drop us a line, follow us on social media, at Vince Cummings 81, and at Kenny Keith Jr. We'll be back next week with 339. So until then, we appreciate all of you tuning in to the Boxing Rant Podcast.
1: But I'm the best ever My style is impetuous There's no one that can match me I'm the most brutal and vicious And most ruthless champion there's ever been My defense is impregnable Anybody can get
0: it.